0: Beginning to read at verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, And a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above all beasts of every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children. Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth unto thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. Till thy return unto the ground. For out of it was I taken. For dust thou art. And unto dust thou shalt shalt I return. Just keep your Bible open there. For we'll be referring to this passage. But let's pray. Father. Lead us into truth. Lead us further into your word. And scribe it upon our hearts and our minds. And help us to see, help us to know Christ in all things. We worship you and we bless your name. We praise you for you're worthy of it. For Jesus' name's sake we ask it. Amen. The subtle serpent, the beguiled woman, and the disobedient man. The subtle serpent, the beguiled woman, and the disobedient man. Genesis 3 and verse 1 tells us now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Here we have the subtle serpent in verse 1. In verse 6, we have the beguiled woman. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, and did eat. There is the beguiled woman. And thirdly, we have the disobedient man. Verse 6 again, She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also one of her husband with her, and he did eat. We have the disobedient man. First of all, we want to look this evening at the subtle serpent. The subtle serpent. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. When we think of this, we hear in different circles and in different thoughts of theology, if you want, will tell us, what is a serpent? Is it the snake? If the serpent is a snake, then we have to say, are all snakes the devil? Because if they're only two created, then they're all snakes the devil. Then we asked, is this serpent this was this serpent a snake on two legs? Who after he had caused Eve and then Adam to take of the fruit? Then do we see him as we see him cast to his belly slithering on the ground? Is he then a snake with no legs? Has God cast him to the ground, and he now eats dust on his belly? Others ask, Is this a beast of the field, some sort of other creation. Some have even said that it's maybe some other form or type of a humanoid. There's all different theologies out there. Who is this serpent? What is this serpent? Is it some sort of animal? And Satan is the agent behind the animal, the spirit behind it. And others ask, the term, is this serpent metaphorical? Is this term serpent, is it uh, literal? Is it symbolic? What is it? We want to look at it for a moment to see exactly what it is. The word serpent is a word nakash. And it can literally mean the snake, the serpent on the ground that you see, that you and I know uh, in our nature, uh, in, in books and so on in the zoo or wherever you may have one in a glass case at home. I don't know. But it means a literal snake. It also gives the idea, metaphorically, when Moses took uh, the brass and formed it into a snake and put it on a pole. Remember, Israelites were bitten by snakes, and this was the anti-type of the poison that was through them. And, and when they looked at the pole, it was to look and live, and they'd be healed of their uh, the poison from the snake. So it's it's metaphorical also. So it's literal, it's metaphorical, but also it comes from the root word, which means a primitive root word in the Hebrew language, which means to hiss, hence a snake hissing, to hiss. Now, listen carefully. It means one who's fond of whispering in others' ears. One who is hissing, fond of whispering in others' ears. It also gives the idea of one who comes with their own magic spell to whisper into the heart of others. It means they're an enchanter. In other words, they are subtly sowing into the heart. It also gives the idea of one who has gained a certain understanding and and a knowledge by experience or a learning by experience, all from the root word for this word serpent. So, behind this narrative, there is a personage. There's Adam. There's Eve. Now there's another personage, and it is the serpent. This serpent is found in Revelation chapter 12. If you want to turn to it briefly, we will look at it quickly. I've done more of a study on this on other evenings, and I don't want to, I don't want to stay on it too long for we have a lot I want to talk about. Revelation chapter 12, and that's where I run down to verse 7. There was war in heaven... Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out where? Into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Notice here is the dragon. Does that mean now that he is a literal dragon also then? Or does this speak of his ferocity? Because he's a serpent in in heaven, was there a snake in heaven, a literal snake? We have to say no. We have to say no. But whatever this serpent is, this serpent is one who comes in craftiness, in subtlety. He comes with a nature that is so crafty, yet behind it, He is violent. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So, the one who came to Eve, remember, we're also told in the pistols of the New Testament that Satan comes as an angel of light. He comes as a false guise, as an angel of light. He is a beautiful creature, do you know that? He is not a little red man with little red horns and little red devil wings with a little red pointy devil tail with a little red trident who speaks and smoke comes out his little red nostrils. He is not. That is a cartoonized uh, vision that man has who they perceive the devil to be. The devil is a spirit who was a beautiful, angelic being in heaven, now kicked out because of his pride. He is in Eden. The Bible tells us that Satan was in Eden. So this personage has come alongside the woman, and he has whispered into her ear, he has enchanted her heart. He has whispered the lies. He has twisted the word of God. And as he has done this, he has hissed his poison over her. My brothers and sisters, be careful. Be careful, brother. Be careful, sister, that you don't let the devil whisper in yours hiss his poison into your ear by twisting the word of God, by twisting the truth of events, for that is directly from the lips of Satan. Be careful. Be aware of his wise. Notice this. Behind this person, we're told it's a serpent or Lucifer, Satan. Some may say, well, in Genesis 3 and verse 14, we're told that the Lord said to him, upon thy belly thou shalt go, and dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. See, snake on the belly. How do we, if he's a beautiful, angelic being, uh, he can come as an angel of light, then it must be a literal snake, for he's on his belly. Well, can I ask you, does a snake eat and live upon dust? Does he actually eat dust for his health and for his own uh, uh, nourishment? Does a snake eat dust? The answer is no. He may taste the air and lick parts of dust to see where his prey has been, but he does not eat dust. What is this then? Let me show you what the scriptures say about this term. Turn with me to uh, Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7. Let the Scriptures interpret the Scripture. Micah chapter 7, verses 16 and 17. This is when the climax of the age is coming. And Christ is at the doors, as we know. And this is when Christ is coming to be glorified in his saints. This is when his saints are going to be glorified in Christ. This is when you and I, are who are faithful to the Word, who are faithful to Christ, who are living in grace— who are following on hard after the Lord at His coming. The Lord is going to start breathing into the church. The Lord is going to start breathing into his people. The Lord is going to start breathing over this nation. And men and women are going to be raised up. And not only in this nation, but other nations. Men and women will be raised up. Listen, and the glory of the Lord will be seen in them. And the nations outside will not understand it. They'll not be able to comprehend it. Micah 7 verse 16. The nations shall see thee. That is, shall see the redeemed of the Lord. The nations shall see thee and be confounded at their might. What is this power that they have? Here are the glorified saints. Here are those who have the inheritance in Christ, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And Christ is now coming. He's coming for his bride. And they're looking at us and saying, what is this power they've got for the glorious Christ has returned for them? Now I notice this. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth, their ears shall be deaf. Can you imagine all the unsaved when Christ returns and you and I who are in Christ, we are going to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. God has raised up an army for his own name. Raised up an army for his glory. And now the unsaved see it. And they stop their mouth. And their ears are deafened. And they're saying, what is this power? It is the power of the resurrected Jesus. Here, when they see it, notice verse 17. They shall lick the dust of the earth. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. Note that. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. In other words, the glory of the redeemed of the Lord, the glory of Christ and of his anointed, they will start to be drawn out even with terrifying fear, crying onto the holes of and the rocks and the mountains saying, Cover us and hide us from the face of him. He sits upon the throne. Amen. And those of us who have been redeemed, we will shine as bright as the firmament. We will be in our glorified state, and the nations shall tremble. Listen, they'll lick the dust like a serpent. Does that mean they're actually going to get down and get their tongue out and start licking the dust? Here is what this actually means. They will become subservient. They will come under abject prostration before Christ and his elect. They will throw themselves on the ground with their faces in the dirt, afraid to look at the glory of God. The unsaved will look upon the bride of Christ, and they will look upon the Christ himself— and the glory of God throughout his people, and they will lick the dust like a serpent. You know what this speaks of? This speaks of kingship. You and I are king priests unto God, and whenever Christ returns, we will rule with him. We will reign with him a thousand years. Who do you think we'll rule over? Who do you think we'll reign over? But these people who see the Christ and prostrate themselves, and they see his administrating elect as we will rule and reign with Christ. Here, it shows us that they shall lick the dust like the serpent. Psalm 72 and verse 9. Psalm 72 and verse 9. This psalm throws us into the future, the coming of Christ and his kingdom. Notice what it says. They that dwell in the wilderness shall buy before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. His enemies shall lick the dust. We'll not turn to it, but take note of Isaiah 49 and 23. We see similar words again. Isaiah 49 and 23. Brother, sister, child of God, this should encourage you. Let this encourage you that the sovereign Lord God Almighty... The Lord Jesus is the same one who went down to fellowship with Adam in the cool of the day. The Lord Jesus was always in charge. He was always in control. He cursed the serpent. He cursed Satan. He cursed Lucifer, as he's known. He had already kicked him out of heaven, Revelation 12. He had him already kicked out by Michael and his angels. Christ didn't even need to get involved in it. It was so far beneath him. He used his angels to do that work. Lucifer was an anointed cherub which stood before the glory of God. He was the anointed cherub that covered the glory. And now we find him kicked out of heaven in Revelation 12, and we find him on the earth. Where do we find him? We find him in Eden. Ezekiel 28, please. Ezekiel chapter 28. Notice what the prophet says here. Ezekiel 28 and verse 11, just... Verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Now, notice this. Speaking about a wicked king, wicked man, who, who, who is a, 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 a manipulated servant of Satan. It's like when Peter says, Lord, don't go to Jerusalem. They're going to crucify. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. For thy savers, not the things that be of God, but of man. He was speaking to Peter, but Satan, who was operating him. And notice what he says here to the king of Tyrus. Take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now notice this, perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Very precious stone was thy covering, the sardust, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. The, work, the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. Here the Lord is saying, the one behind the wickedness of the king of Tyrus, the one who is found to be uh, the wicked tyrant of the people, then he says, I see the spirit behind the man. Brothers and sisters, we cannot fool God. God sees the spirit behind them. And God's seen the spirit Satan himself, he says, I created you. I made you beautiful. I put tabrets and pipes and horns in you. You were the worship leader of heaven, the anointed cherub that covereth my glory. Precious stones, he says, I led in you to reflect the glory of God throughout heaven. I gave you position until iniquity was finding." I found iniquity in you. And so he was cast out of heaven to the earth, and we says, Thou hast been in the garden of God. Eden, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. The Lord Jesus is the Almighty God. Did you know that? He is Almighty. He is the King of Glory. Now listen, He's Adam's creator. And he's Adam's mediator. He came in the cool of the day. He was the mediator between God and man then. He came and he walked with him in the cool of the day. And he was also Adam's judge. He was Adam's judge. Because he said that he would judge the serpent, he would judge the woman, he would judge the man, and he did in Genesis chapter 3. He was Adam's savior. He clothed him with skins from the shed blood of an animal. And even Paul says, now when Christ becomes flesh, the Word of God made flesh and dwelt among us, Paul tells us, for there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. This is him in the garden before Bethlehem. This is a pre-existence, the pre-appearance of the of Almighty God, the Word come, the very sovereign logos of God, come down from heaven. The fellowship with Adam in the cool of the day. And he comes and he lays hold on Adam and he calls him out from his sin. Here's something I want to say to you and I want you to hear me out now. And this may stretch your imagination a little. Jesus never needed to go to the cross to defeat Satan. He was always Sovereign. Jesus never needed to go to the cross to defeat Satan. He was always sovereign. He was always over Lucifer and superior to Lucifer. But Lucifer, or Satan as he's now called, thinks he's equal to the Lord Jesus. And pride fills his heart in order that he would be the God of heaven. Now notice this, stay with me. Isaiah 14, please. Isaiah chapter 14. This is known as the five I wills of Satan. Or Lucifer, if you want. Verse 12 says, Isaiah 14 and 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, here's the first one, I will ascend into heaven. Here's the second, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. In other words, the the stars of God don't mean the twinkling stars in the firmament. It means those who are Christ's and his children. I will exalt over the very elect of God, the the very redeemed of God, the saints of God, the children of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. And here's the next one. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now listen, there's a charismatic movement now, and the charismatic movement is called the little God theology. If anybody ever tells you you're a little God, tell them to go away. Never listen to them. Little God theology. Basically, because the Holy Spirit is in you, then you can be a God. The Mormons believe in working our way to Godhood. They say, our God now, Yahweh, used to be a person, or a, a person he's like you and I, and he made his way to Godhood. That's what Jesus is doing. That's part of Mormonism. Mormons aren't Christians, brothers and sisters. Now, notice this. He says, I will send above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Notice what the Lord says to him, though, in verse 15. Yet, you're saying this, but yet, thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Here is Lucifer, now Satan, kicked out of heaven, put out with a third, as it were, of the angels of God. Now the angels of the adversary. Now these are kicked out and cast into the earth. Now he's found in Eden and he starts to beguile the woman. And Jesus says, I must go down and sort him out. You're going to be at the side of the pit. You've came from heaven to earth. Now you're going to go to the pit. You're going further down to the pit. Where do we find the pit that he is cast into? We find it in the book of Revelation where Satan is bound and cast into a pit for a thousand years, the millennial reign. And loosed a little while that he may deceive the nations. In other that Christ will be justified at the great white throne judgment for there'll be those who are prostrating themselves and licking the dust of the earth coming out of their holes of the ground or their places of hiding and covering, in other words, like worms from their holes. Oh, Jesus, we really did believe in you. Oh, Jesus, we really did profess you. Oh, Jesus, we really did try to cast out demons in your name. Jesus, I never knew you. Jesus, I went to Donna Clone heal every meeting. I never knew you. I prostrated before the sovereign feet of Christ. They prostrate, they licked the dust like a serpent. Prostrated before him in fear. Thou art the God of Israel. Satan is let loose because he then goes with his serpent like tendencies to attract the people again who don't really love him. Brothers and sisters, do you really love Jesus? Do you really love Him? Do you really know Him? And when He is loosed, chaos happens in that end of a millennial kingdom, and Christ stands upon Him with His sovereign foot. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, please. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they had sat upon them, and the judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, nor in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Brothers and sisters, this isn't a microchip. This is talking about false doctrine in their minds. This is talking about fellowship with the Roman Catholic Church and all other false apostate churches. That's what this is speaking of. False religions around the world. And they did not enter into that they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years, and the rest of the dead lived not until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Are you getting this, brothers and sisters? Are you taking this in? This is what's happening. This is what's going to happen. And when the thousand years are expired... Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations that are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up upon the breath of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about. And the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven, and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them—notice he deceived them— Was cast the seven was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I saw a great white throne, him him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there's found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. Another book, the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of the things that were written. the books according to the works, and the sea give up the dead which were in it, and death and hell give up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to the works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. That is, death and Hades, or death in the, the region of the dead, the grave, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Lucifer knows his time is short. Old Satan knows his time is short. And he wants to have his way in your life. And he wants to have his way in your family. He wants to deceive men and women's hearts by the whispering, the deceiving, as he did with Eve in the garden. He is a subtle Serpent. So, Jesus never needed to go to the cross to defeat Satan. Now, stay with me on this, because I want you to get it. He never needed to go to the cross to defeat Satan. Jesus was always in control. He was always over Lucifer, who became known as Satan, or Hasatan, as people would call him. He was always under the power of Christ. Jesus was always in authority. But, 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 there's a problem. There's a deceived woman. And there's a disobedient man. There's a deceived woman and a disobedient man. Turn to Genesis 3 again. And what we need to see is, this should magnify the cross of Christ for you. This should magnify the sacrifice of the Son of God for you. (coughs) Genesis 3, verse 1. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, half God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. See, she knew the word. She knew it. She didn't want to hear it. The woman said unto the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God hath said notice God has said ye shall not eat of it neither shall ye touch it lest ye die and the serpent said unto the woman ye shall not surely die the liar he's a liar Ye shall not surely die For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then shall your eyes be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open. Satan put a little bit of truth in with the lie. But a little bit of truth doesn't make truth. It's still a lie. A little bit of truth mixed with lie is still a lie. He says, look, did God say you're not going to die? Come on. Don't you listen. But God has said. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is we can say, but God has said. I don't want to see that. I don't want to believe that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to carry that. I don't want to acknowledge that. But God hath said, and "That's it, finished." Anything outside of it, it's demonic. It's satanic. I notice this. Watch what happens here. He says their eyes would be opened, and verse seven says, "And the eyes of them were opened." He was telling the truth, wasn't he? But we're open to more than he let on. He'll be as God. What? What did he say? I will ascend into the heavens. I will be like the most high. Do you not want to be like the most high? Let me tell you, if you just disobey God and be God of your own life, you will be like the most high. They opened their eyes and they realized he was a liar. They realized and they hid themselves. You know why he was a liar? They realized that their flesh had become rotten to the core. Death entered their members, death entered Adam. He was a liar. This beguiled woman. The word beguiled here, the serpent beguiled me, she says in Genesis 3 and verse 13. The Lord says, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did he? The word beguiled somebody, means he deceived me. Remember, Revelation says he deceives nations, deceives people. The serpent beguiled me, it means deceived. Listen, it means to mentally delude. Do you know there's a lot of people that are mentally deluded, and it's the devil, and they don't even realize it? They're mentally deluded because Satan has blinded their minds. Blinded their eyes. Hardened their hearts. They're mentally deluded and they think they're getting away with it. But Satan has blinded them. You know what it means to morally seduce? Come here. Think that looks good? What do you think of it? Do you think he looks good? Do you think she looks good? Do you think they look good? Do you think that looks good? What do you think of it? Oh, that's not right. No, it's all right. He mentally deludes them, and he morally seduces them. It means to cause one to go astray. The woman says, the serpent morally seduced me. And he, he deluded me mentally. He's caused me to go astray and lead me into error. That's what it means to be beguiled. Can you imagine this, brothers and sisters? Can I ask you, do you know someone like this? Satan is having his way with them, mentally deluding them, causing them to go astray, pulling them with the things of the word, taking them away with temptation, filling their minds full of lies. Listen to what it says about it deceiving in the Scriptures as we look at this deceived woman. Jeremiah 37 and verse 9. Jeremiah 37 and verse 9 says, Thus saith the Lord, Deceive not yourselves. You can deceive yourself. You can deceive yourself. Deceive not yourselves, saying the Chaldeans shall surely depart from us, for they shall not depart. The Lord says, you're deceiving yourself. This is the rod of my chastisement to the house of Israel. This is the rod of my chastisement. Listen, after I have warned you and warned you and warned you and warned you and sent you prophet after prophet after prophet, you've heard my word time and time and time again, and you've been deceived you're deceiving yourself. Oh, the Chaldeans aren't really going to attack us, house of Israel. Don't worry about it. They're going to go away. There is no judgment from God and the enemy doesn't want to destroy us. And the Lord says, you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. How many people are being deceived today? How many people are being deceived tonight? How many people are being deceived in our nation? How many people are being deceived in their own hearts? You're deceiving yourself, he said. Oh, God, help us from being under our own heart's deceit. Listen to what Proverbs 20 and 17 says, The bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. The bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. In other words, you may think it's great. You deceive yourself. You know the truth. Look, this man asked to meet me a few years ago, and I met him just outside here. And I got into a van with him, and he started to say, and he says, I've been working at this person's house. And he says, and, and this woman, he says, I know she wants more than work. She wants me to have relationships with her. That's what he's saying. He said in different language. And I turn and I says to him, Well, why are you going there? He says, well, uh, uh, it's work. I says, but you have boys working under you. Send them. He says, "Uh, I have done. He says, then leave it. Don't go nearer." You know what he says? I'm just going to go and check every day the house and the work they've done after they've finished. And this was my words to him. He says, you're already committing it in your heart you're deceiving yourself in other words if it happens that didn't mean it it wasn't my fault that's deceit that's deceit it's sweet at the time you ever had a real bad toothache try chewing on a mouth of gravel you up. It doesn't let you go because you have deceived your own heart. But God knows it. Wow. It's like a mouthful of gravel of broken teeth. You're aching with it. You can't sleep with it. It gnaws at you. You cannot get rid of it. Of you know, pride in our own hearts, so one of three says, The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Jeremiah 49 and 6 also says something similar. And if you go to Jeremiah 17 and 9, the Lord says, The heart is deceitful above everything and desperately wicked who can know it. I, the Lord, search the heart, and I try the reins. Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 11 and 3, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled thee through his subtlety so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, we could go into a lot of doctrinal issues. What is the simplicity in Christ? This is it in a nutshell what it means. One-heartedness for Christ. One-heartedness for him. Paul acknowledges that the woman was beguiled with little halves, truths and corruption. In other words, yea, half God said, the serpent says to Eve. and other words, here is complication to doubting. We can out, we can overthink. We can overthink instead of receiving by faith the word of God. We can overthink it. And it causes us to doubt. In verse 4 of Genesis 3, ye shall not surely die. Doubting brings challenge. You'll no, not die. Is that right? Challenge that. But God said it. You cannot challenge it. And in verse 5, For God doth know it in the day. You shall eat thereof. Your eyes shall be open. And ye shall be like gods, knowing good and evil. That doubting brings challenge. And that challenge brings corruption. Corrupting the word of God. You may complicate God's word. Try to think it out too much. You may challenge God's word. Try to deny its meaning. You may corrupt God's word. And try and make it fit what you want it to be but you can never and you will never change God's Word. It can never be changed. subtle servant may deceive many, but I pray there be none in this meeting that will be deceived. Thirdly, the disobedient man, and quickly. Genesis 3 says, She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. And he did eat. In Genesis chapter 2, uh, verses 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord commanded the man of every tree of the garden they may as freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. So the Lord tells him he can eat and then he gives him a command. Genesis 2 and 16, Genesis 3 and 11 and Genesis 3 and 17 says the Lord commanded. Here's commandment in the garden. The Lord commanded. Listen, the Lord didn't suggest. The commandments even in the codified commandments of the 10 commandments aren't suggestions. They're God's commandments. Adam was disobedient. He took that of which God had commanded. Notice, God commanded the woman. He took of it. Turn with me to Romans 5, please. We're coming to a close. To Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Let's let, for time's sake, I run down to verse 17. For if by one man's offence death reigned by one, that is Adam the one, Romans 5 and 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So here's Adam and the Lord Jesus. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. So all who are in Adam... Our sinners, we have death reigning in our members, but all who are in Christ, oh, we have life in Christ, and we're justified. For as by one man's, notice, disobedience, Adams, many were made sinners, that's you and I. So by the obedience, that is the Lord Jesus, of one shall many be made righteous. Obedience and disobedience. Now, the word for disobedience here, it comes from two words, paraké. And it means, from one word, paro, it means alongside of, to come alongside of. And the ke or kuo, sometimes it can be pronounced. It gives the idea to hear or to listen. It gives the idea that God came along, Jesus came to Adam in the garden, and he says, of all the trees of the garden, thou mess freely eat thereof. Of well, the tree that's in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt eatest thereof there, because thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. He was speaking right into Adam's ear to hear. The idea is that he was failing to listen. He was failing to hear when God was speaking. That's what it means. His disobedience was he knew that God had told him and he didn't listen. Failing to listen when God is speaking brings disobedience. Disobedience brought sin, sin brought forth death. So the obedience of one, as by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. It's the word hupakel. Hupo uh, means under, to hold up. It gives the idea of akel is the same, or ako means to hear. It means to come under submission, to come under the compliance of his father's will and word. That which Adam failed to do, his son did. God's son did. He came under the obedience of his father. He heard every word. The word I give to you, he says, as I hear my father, as I hear, I speak to you. As I see him do, I do. He came right under the obedience. So, in 1 Corinthians Chapter 15 and verse 22 says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. In other words, in Christ. So we have to be in Christ to be made alive. But note this. This is what's known as the union of nature. The union of nature. Adam's nature is death. Christ's nature is life. Ephesians 2 and 3 says, We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. In other words, the word nature is the word "phusis." We were by lineal descent from Adam's race. We were by germination of Adam. We have become sinners. We are sinners in the womb. That's the idea. We were by nature, by lineal descent. But yet in Christ, brothers and sisters, And 2 Peter 1 and 4, he tells us that we are partakers of the divine nature. The divine phoosis. I have Christ in me. I have life. He that believeth on the Father and the Son hath everlasting life. Is that what we say? So Jesus need not die on the cross to defeat Satan or the serpent or Lucifer. He was always in charge and control. He was always sovereign and almighty. Jesus died on the cross that you and I may be saved. That's why he died. There was a beguiled woman. There was a disobedient man. Genesis 3 and 15, the seed of the woman and the seed of the man or the seed of the serpent will be at war one with the other. And those two seeds clashed at Calvary's tree. They thought they had him. We've got him. He's nailed to the cross. We heard it in Colossians 2 and it's 15 this morning. High Christ made a show of the devil. He showed him Openly, he made a show of him. He made a stupor of him. He made him look daft because even in the weakness of the flesh, still he defeated the devil. He is under my feet. And he's under yours, brothers and sisters. He's always in control. Jesus has always been in charge. He's risen from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. And he's coming back again. And we were ruined him.